Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. Hey, everybody. Before we start here, I just want to take a moment and call out to anyone listening who's experienced something they consider to be paranormal or supernatural. I'm working on an upcoming Halloween-themed listener story episode, and I'm going to feature those among you who've seen a ghost or experienced a haunting. So if you have something to share, send it to me in a voice memo at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. That episode will be released just in time for Halloween. But if you want to get started on the holiday early, I just released the latest episode in my popular Walk Amongst the Dead in Halifax Cemetery Tour Halloween special, and that's available right now as an early release exclusively on Amazon Music. So again, if you have a ghost story to share, go to nighttimepodcast.com slash contact and get in touch with me. Now let's get to the episode. You are listening to Canadian Gothic, a series by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Nighttime's listener-led Encounters with Creeps series. If you haven't heard the prior episodes in this series, a long time ago I offered up an episode of the show as a platform for listeners to share the story of the time that they encountered a creep. Maybe I was a bit naive, but I never would have guessed how many listeners had a story to share. But here we are, about to begin the 10th volume of your encounters with creeps. We got creepy bosses, creepy co-workers, creepy customers, we have an unexpected late night visit, a naked person, and I'm proud to say we solve a little mystery related to catcalling. So let's not waste any time here. Tonight, Madeleine Klein and I are going to get into another round of your encounters with creeps. Ms. Madeleine Klein. Uh, I can't read the word behind you. Does that say coconut? It does. Okay. It's got to be a large coconut, right? Yeah, but it's at least somewhat baby shaped. Well, this I was very I was very pleased with this week's fruit. I guess <laughs> <laughs> they've been they've been duds the last few weeks. Head of cauliflower, beet with leaves. I'm like, give me something better to work with. Yeah, coconut so, works. Yeah, um, but I've seen uh, one of the first photos you've posted of your uh, belly in a while, and yeah, you certainly have a baby in there. I do. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's weird. I didn't pop until like 25, 26 weeks, maybe even 27. And then boom. But it's, now I'm getting looks from strangers. You can like tell people are looking and they're like, oh yeah, she's pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to, yeah, they don't have to hide it's, like the question. Because you don't want to ask someone if they're pregnant if you're not, you know, 100% sure. But I Unless think... her water is breaking on my feet, I don't ask. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, well, let's get into it here. We got a... a Busy night. This is, I think we unanimously, the two of us agree that this is probably our favorite thing to do, our favorite series, which is Encounters with Creeps. Uh, We love listening to the stories and talking about them. It seems that listeners love sending them to to us because I, I feel like if I get five emails a day, three of them start with like, hey, Jordan, Madeline, I just got to tell you about, and I'm like, oh, here we go. And my kids are nearby, so I hit stop right away, <laughs> you know, on the voice memo. That's often how it happens. But uh, given the the amount of voice memos and creep encounter stories we're getting from listeners, it really allows us to pick six or seven really powerful, gripping stories to share in each volume. We're up to volume 10. I can't believe we got this far, uh, but this is going to be a good one. I'm so excited. To get into this with you but 
before we do, we have a, a listener who wrote into um, I guess answer a question we had in volume nine. If you recall in the last volume in Encounters with Creeps, we talked about catcalling, which is primarily a man. Um, I don't know. You tell me what it is. What is catcalling? Uh, like whistling or shouting sexually charged things at women, I guess. And a, and a catcalling specifically is a man doing it. And you and I spoke about what if it's the other way around? which doesn't really seem to happen, but if it did happen, what would that be called? Uh, a listener knows, and I don't know why we didn't think of this. Listen to this. Oh, I can't wait for this. Hey, Jordan, I'm just listening to your Encounters with Creeps, Volume 9, and I heard the segment about you talking about cat calling, and the only thing I'd like to say on that is if a man is standing on the side of the street, and he's calling out to a woman, and he's cat calling, he's calling for that cat, and if the roles are reversed, and a woman is calling up to a man. She is, in fact, snake charming. I'm sure you'll understand. Maybe some young listeners out there that are going to be scratching their heads and asking their parents what that is. Sorry, guys, but uh, enjoy what you do and keep on keeping on. Thank you. So, yeah, I guess using uh, that kind of language, catcalling, you know, yes, snake I, charming. It makes sense. I can't sense. believe I've never put that together. <laughs> uh I've never heard of it other than before that voice memo, but as soon as I heard it, I'm like, oh, that makes complete sense. Totally. Oh, yeah. So from I, now on. I was like, why is it called cat calling? <laughs> yeah, I never really thought of that either. Is that why? Because that's like, that's even it's raunchier. It's gotta be. But it's, it's I, know. A, I guess it's appropriately raunchy given like what cat calling actually is. Right. It just, it makes so much sense. Everything, yeah. the stars are aligning. Yeah. I, I felt, I knew you'd feel that way. I felt the exact way, that exact way when I heard that voice memo. Um, I would be very much like to hear from any listeners who have experienced snake charming, being a victim oh. of, or I don't know about victim, but being on the receiving end of snake charming. I would like some stories like that. I guess we've had a few in the past. Totally. And I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's because the stories aren't as common, but the stories where the woman is the creep are just the worst. It's, it's like they're, unexpected. They're somehow more cringy. Mm -hmm. I don't but know. They're, it, maybe, they're... maybe that's why it's like unexpected, but yeah, yeah. I guess it's, uh, but they're all pretty cringy and we got some cringy ones tonight, uh, including, I'm going to end it with, one of my favorites that I've heard in a long time, but we got a whole bunch to get through. Uh, I'll let you choose. We can go through, we can hear about Katie's ice cream stand, love at first bite and her slender tenders, or we can about, or we can hear about Emily's bizarre boss and touchy coworker. Oh God, we're starting off strong. Mm -hmm. I want to know about the tender slenders. Okay. What are, yeah. Okay. Katie is a listener who sent two separate stories. Um, and this often happens. Someone sends a voice memo telling their story, and I think they feel emboldened after that. And they will leave a series of other ones like, oh, yeah, this other thing happened. And I'll get a string of them. Uh, Katie sent me two stories that really stuck with me. I'll play them in the order I received them. The first one I'm going to call Katie's Ice Cream Stand Love at First Bite. Listen to this. Hi, Jordan. I love your show. I really enjoyed your Emma Filipov series, and I love listening to you and Madeleine do creep encounters, and I wanted to share a creep encounter of my own. 
So when I was 15, I worked at an ice cream stand beside this lake, and it was a town that's only really busy in the summertime, like many Canadian lake cities are. And so I was the only one working in this ice cream stand, and one day this guy in like a scooter chair pulls up. And from what I remember, he never even ordered ice cream. He just started talking to me and being polite, thinking he was disabled in some way, which I believe he was. He had a speech impediment at least and he couldn't walk. So I was just trying to be polite and perhaps make friends or acquaintances and do my job. And he started talking to me a lot and I just kept up the conversation and he'd just go away. And after talking to him once or maybe twice on different days, he came back one day and told me that he wanted to marry me and have his children. And he was at least in his 30s. I just laughed it off because I was very uncomfortable and didn't know what to say. I was like, oh, haha, I don't think so. And the worst part was after this encounter, my boss came out and told me that my friend would stop, would need to stop visiting me. And I explained to her that I didn't know this man. And I had only just met him from him approaching me at the ice cream stand and that he had proposed to me and told me I was so beautiful and that he loved me and wanted me to have his children and thank for thank god she went up to him one day right before he approached me at the stand and I have no idea what she said to him but I assume it was something like you need to leave this minor alone and I never saw him again. Thanks for listening. You know, that reminds you of some other stories we've heard. This idea of, and this is something we've talked about a lot, and I think it's a source of many creep encounters, is when you're working, you, in a customer-facing kind of position, you need to be nice to everybody. And a creep seems to have a hard time differentiating between, like, she's nice because she's at work and she's representing the company versus she's nice and maybe we're falling in love. See, this is why working at a bar was the best because you could tell customers to F off Mm. or like, it was like a nightclub, but yeah, it's usually at work. Your, your hands are tied. Mm -hmm. Like you, that's the worst. Yeah. And it's especially like, you know, at a bar, a nightclub or whatever. Yeah. You could be like, you could push back with customers and be a bit more adult. But when you're like working at an ice cream stand in a lake city. (laughs) And it sounds like she worked alone. Yeah. And she was a kid. I think she was like 16 or something. Dangerous. But it's, um, yeah, this, that voice memo reminded me of a lot of 
other stories we've heard. We could even go back to like, I think it may have been volume eight or volume nine with the housekeeping staff member who ran into the, the creep. We've heard from people who worked at restaurants who had customers who tried to propose and stuff in some earlier volumes. What's with the proposals? I don't understand. Yeah, that's a big step. Eh? It's one thing to be a creep, but you know, it, uh, it's like, yeah, to marry you? To marry you? That's a big ask. But I see micro versions of this story play out every time I go to Tim Hortons, I feel. There's this thing where the staff of Tim Hortons, like they call you hun in love. You know what it'll be, love? For here you go, hun. And I think a lot of a lot of and it's predominantly, it seems at least to me, that it's the majority of Tim's workers are probably female. And I feel like a lot of older men go in there and they kind of flirt with the staff. And it's it's not sexual, but there's this like flirtiness that's back and forth, like, you know, where's Donna today? I thought Donna'd be in. And you know, and Sheila's like, mm-hmm. nope, she's home. She's at, you know, cottage today. Oh, must be nice. And then the next day when Don is in, you're like, oh, I missed you yesterday. You know, like this kind of talk. <laughs> I do not miss that. God. When it. regular customers seem to think like if you're not there, then they see you and they're like, yeah, like, where were you? It's like, you are not entitled to know anything about my life. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, this story with Katie's ice cream scoop. Uh, I'm glad her boss eventually stepped in and said something to the guy, to the, the adult in that uh, business uh, did the right thing by stepping in. It would have been pretty upsetting though that moment when her boss is like, "You got to stop having your friend here all the time." Like that She's older, like... that older man that's drooling, <laughs> <laughs> the drooling older man that stares at you. It's just sad that a third party has to step in and he doesn't just back off. Mm. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, let's hear now about what attracted you to starting Katie's uh, series of stories, which is, this is a shorter one. Uh, We'll call it Katie's Slender Tenders. Hi, Jordan. It's Katie again. I have a quick catcalling story that is slightly funny and slightly creepy. (laughs) When I was in high school, I used to walk home with my friend all the time or my sister And I used to wear black tights under shorts often. And we got catcalls often, usually just honks and whistles out the window. Um, But one time I was walking with my best friend and this guy slowed down and yelled at us, beautiful slender tenders. And we were dumbfounded because we didn't know what that meant. And then realized later he must have meant our legs. And from then on, every time we would see each other at school and we were wearing tights, we would say, your slender tenders are looking good today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know what else he would have meant, but that is. Oh, my God. Get a new line. If you must catcall, don't say that. <laughs> I've, I'm sure there's there's worse things you can call like a woman's legs in a catcalling scenario. I think slender tenders. It's like um, it's it's a little cute and playful. It's not that offensive. I guess <laughs> it's just like it's nonsense, but it, it also I think it could be effective. Effective. I think that's one where the it, rather than being disgusted, I think she'd be like, what the. You're not going to forget that one. No. <laughs> this just reminds me of when I was like 17 or 18. Um, I met this guy at a bar. 
And back then I, I was- What were you doing at I, a bar when you were 17 or 18? I was having a good time. <laughs> oh my gosh, Madeline, your parents so, could be listening to this. I'm 30 now. You, you were probably there with your dad. <laughs> he right? got you in. <laughs> I've been ID'd with my dad before, like both of us were ID'd. And I was like, he's not my husband because we had the same last name. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, back then I felt, because I didn't have a boyfriend, I felt really bad not giving my number out when asked. Because I was like, you know, like, there's really no reason I shouldn't when there is absolutely a reason I shouldn't. <laughs> but so whatever. I There's this guy. He asked for my number. I give my number. And he texted me uh, when we were, my friend and I were on our way home. And I show my friend the text. And he called me haughty toddy. And my friend looks and goes, out of all the things he could have called you, he goes, <laughs> for haughty Toddy. Toddy. And now she still calls me at all these years later. She'll, well, that she'll seems bring that up. <laughs> very much like Katie and her friends uh, referring yes. to each other's slender tender. Oh, so it, it worked. Oh. But that, yeah, and I guess that's kind <laughs> of um, just like I said, it's it's silly and nonsensical and playful enough that it's not that offensive. I think in this guy's case that wrote to you, though, you get someone's number. It seemed... Uh, it seems like you're past the point that you would catcall. If you wanted to catcall, he should have did that like back at the bar to get your number and then write you a catcall. That is a very like, <laughs> like what a, a coward. called for? <laughs> it's just, well, just like a coward. Like you couldn't have, if you're, if you're that type of person, shouldn't you have just been like offensive in person? To I write guess. This? Yeah. Oh, I'll just never forget that. Actually, that's my friend that lives in Shelburne. I've talked oh, okay. about her before. Yeah. Yes. Um, we had some good times, her and I. Yeah. And I think I bashed Shelburne, right? I said something. That's right. Yeah. And I got some hate mail about you, that. You got some some feedback. So I'm not going to say anything about your friend's spot. I'm sure it's lovely there and has a great economy and <laughs> no social problems at all that are in the news all the time. She seems very happy. So that's all that matters. Well, ignorance is bliss. She probably hasn't explored the rest of the province. She's from Regina. Does it get worse than yeah, this? Yeah, good point. She's like, Shelburne's amazing. <laughs> right? It's like Hollywood. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, let's move on. So we just did a double header of Katie's stories. Now let's do a double header of Emily's stories. And I will tell you that Emily seems to have bad luck with jobs. Uh, let's start with her bizarre boss. I enjoy a good, awful boss story. Only when it's not happening to us. <laughs> Hi, Jordan and Madeline. Um, I've been debating for a while now if I should call in and, and tell you about a few encounters that I've had with creeps. You probably don't want to hear them all, but um, here goes. So uh, at my first job, um, I worked in the tourism industry. I'm not going to say exactly where, um, for two summers when I was 18 and again, when I was 19 and I had the same boss both summers 
And um, I worked alone that second summer and his wife was away for work for the entire summer. So, um, you know, he would come around and, you know, leave me um, baking that he had done. Um, but then it, it sort of started to get a little bit weird. He invited me to come have dinner with him and his mother at his house um, and uh, gave me some scotch. It was my first drink ever. And I did not enjoy the scotch, um, you know, to this day, I, I don't enjoy scotch. Um, and then, um, you know, he invited me to go on a little canoe trip, told me to bring a, a swimsuit and, and we could uh, lay on a secluded beach on, on a nearby lake. Um, and all of these times, you know, he was, you know, being nice. There was nothing, you know, super inappropriate. And he was my boss and, you know, my parents' age. So I thought it was safe to do, but I, I recognized it was weird. Um, and then finally, um, when it was time for his wife to return from, uh, you know, where she had been all summer, he invited me to come to the airport with him, which was several hours away and pick her up. So I said, sure. And, um, I, on the way there, he, you know, asked me a few questions about my sex life, which I thought was strange. Um, you know, as a young, as a young person and, uh, living in a really small place. Um, and then, um, when we uh, got to the, the big city, decided to go out for lunch and during lunch, you know, he talked about some of his friends from, you know, international friends and how, you know, as, as friends, it was normal to do things like hang out in bed together and hold hands. And um, he wanted to hold my hand while we were walking around the city. And of course, I complied um, because he was my boss, but I could feel everyone staring at me and I was super creeped out. Um, and, um, you know, it was the end of the summer and, um, I didn't work in that location anymore, um, after that and didn't really have much contact after that. And, and I was pretty, pretty happy about it. So that's how that ends that, uh, like that story, it builds and builds and builds, but then the summer ends and she just doesn't work there anymore. Well, did they pick up his wife? <laughs> and what, yeah, I want to know she, when the wife comes in. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that whole thing is bizarre. And she, she was kind of the way she told the story is it felt weird, but he was my boss. I went ahead with it. I, I feel like there was a few of those moments where I'm like, whoa, that's like way weird. The hand holding kind of got me. That's see, I would have totally agreed to go on the road trip if it was on company time. Mm -hmm. If I was Even getting when paid, you're a like, kid, of course though? I'll come with you. Cause she was, uh, I think she was underage. Right. So. Oh, anything to get out of work. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> But yeah, as soon as he was like asked about my sex life or wanted to hold my hand, I'd be like, oh, let's pump the brakes here. But yeah, but even like asking an inappropriate question, let's say on a long ride or something, I'd be like, oh, that's like he's just like maybe uh, a little like classless or, or, or I don't I don't know what I think. I could see just awkward, nothing just else to awkward talk about. and yeah, like maybe I I don't know actually. Uh, I'm saying that, and as it's coming out of my mouth, I'm like, no, like even that question would have been enough to really uh, upset the whole situation. But like the holding oh. hands, that seems oh. so bizarre. Just in the car, I'd be looking at the speedometer and being like, would I get hurt if I tucked and rolled right now? <laughs> <laughs> How fast are we going? <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, it it is a creep encounter because so much of what happened was creepy, but 
it seems like it never hits that point that we that I as I'm hearing her tell the story that I thought it was going to hit. I was waiting for the point where he pitched like a threesome with his wife or something because it kind of seemed like it was going there. I but, bet it was. Uh, like I don't to him yeah, probably. Maybe. I want, yeah, and the the fact he's married throughout all of this makes it even creepier. Well, he brings her this his like underage employee to his mother's house while his wife's away. That seems really weird. Like mom, like, this is would his mother employees. not be like, who the hell is this? Why and why she... is she here? <laughs> uh bizarre. Ugh. But that's not Emily's only weird story at work. And this one we get to have HR involved with, which always makes oh, it interesting. Good. It's Emily's touchy coworker and her shit HR. Oh no. Hello, me again. So next story. Um I was at work and uh, there were several uh, different companies that worked in my building at the time. And um, there was a, a guy who was there and was kind of in and out as part of his job and, um, you know, friendly person and I'm a friendly person. And so we would chat. He was, um, I want to say probably in his fifties at least. And, and I was in my, you know, maybe early thirties at the time. And, um, you know, he, he was pretty friendly and, um, I noticed it was getting a little bit awkward, particularly the day that, um, I was outside the building and we were chatting and he told me that he told his wife that he thinks I was hot, um, which I thought was super awkward, but, you know, being a polite person and at a workplace, you just kind of laugh it off and, um, you know, kind of go about, go about your day, um, but then, you know, he would, uh, subsequent times I would see him, you know, he would make references to, to me being hot again, um, which was getting super awkward. And then finally, the, the straw that broke the back was one day I was talking to my boss's boss standing outside um, in office and um, just standing at the doorway with my back to the hallway. And, you know, I kind of felt somebody going by and um, my my ponytail got flicked like like. It reminded me of being in high school when somebody walks by and snaps your bra strap or like, you know, flicks your hair or something like that. And for a second, I even wondered, what is my husband doing here at, at work? Because nobody else would touch my hair like that. But I turned around and it was this guy walking down the hall and out the door and he waved hi. And it was in front of my boss's boss. Super awkward, super weird. And so I, you know, had to talk to our HR person about what we should do. And they recommended that I approach the person and, and let them know that um, what they had been doing had been making me uncomfortable. And so I did that. Um, but um, I was pretty angry that I was put in that position to have to do that in a workplace um, for a behavior that was pretty far, I felt, outside the norm of what you'd expect in a in a regular workplace. That for is true. literally HR's job. Yeah, you guys have like, this talk. <laughs> I'm not doing it. You do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my God. I, I'm kind of surprised by that being the reaction. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're like, can you handle it? Like, isn't what do you do? What do you do all day? Mm. <laughs> this is literally your responsibility as um, HR. Yeah, but her story, I think it's uh, many people who are listening to her describe that will say like, oh, I had the same kind of thing with some guy or girl or whatever at my office or my work. It's uh, 
some people they don't, they'll just cross the line. So, but like grabbing her ponytail, like oh man, what a jerk! That's any sort of once it gets like physical, like walking up behind someone, like touching their shoulders. Mm. <laughs> yeah, don't but, and touching the pony. Yeah, it's free. And I told my wife that you're hot. Do you That's think he actually? Just... Do you think he actually did? No. No, definitely. Absolutely not. I think like, he wanted. I don't, I don't know what his angle was there. I think he wanted to tell her that I think you're hot, but he doesn't want to, he didn't want to just say that. So he was like, maybe this was like a playful way. Justify it? Being like, I, but I'm married, but I'm married. I'm like, my wife, my wife is, is cool for me to tell her something yeah. like that. Oh, like, I, I guarantee if she asked or if she like, like kind of sent vibes of interest back to him, he would go on to explain that his wife is open to him doing Oh, uh, having escapades outside of the marriage. Absolutely. I if I say someone on TV is hot, I get side eye from my husband. Oh, really? <laughs> and I'm like, what? It's a celebrity. It gets up. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, I'm, I'm taking the cats. He grabs the cat yeah. and leaves. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, God. Those were two interesting stories from Emily. Um, I don't know, Emily, I would say, given that both of these involve your workplace, I would say you either work too much or you just have real bad luck with fellas at work. I, I think the latter. She's, yeah, she's got uh, weird people she works with, unfortunately. Yeah, two different jobs. They're Ugh. everywhere. <laughs> but uh, what about this, though, is we've heard two stories from Emily related to work. Do you think most women would have two stories from work of encounters with creeps oh for sure be it employee or like co-worker boss customer client i'm sure every i'm sure every everyone man woman anyone in between they've yeah. got weird stories so maybe it isn't that emily has bad luck at work uh with guys i think emily's just willing to tell us some of those stories and so she should <laughs> good thank you emily Let's move on to uh, this next story is a friggin' adventure. And I rarely say frig. So if I pull that out, you know <laughs> we're going for a ride. Uh, this one is a multi-parter. Uh, it's, it's a, I think the original version of the story that I got was probably about 10 minutes. But I'm going to break it up in the middle. Um, and, and you'll see why. We're going to call this Brienne from BC's creepy misunderstanding so this is a kind of like a murder mystery of creep encounter stories where we're going to hear the creep encounter we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what we think about it but then we'll hear the solution and what makes it a creepy misunderstanding so let's just jump right in you ready for this i think so i'm very intrigued <laughs> let's find out I'm from BC. Love the show, longtime listener. Buckle your seatbelts because this story is a bit of a wild ride. Um, last week, my husband was out of town, so it was just myself and my son home by ourselves. I gotta say, I love when we get like recent stories, like it's something that just happened. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's get back in. <laughs> um, last week, my husband was out of town, so it was just myself and my son home by ourselves. And uh, at about three o'clock in the morning, my dog starts growling and I keep trying to fall back asleep, but he just won't let up. So I finally let him upstairs, see if he wants to go out. 
nothing. Uh, so we go back down to bed and about 15 minutes later, he starts up again. So this time I decide to go upstairs by myself and I'll just take a look, see if there's something outside that's aggravating him. Um, as I get upstairs, I see this man walking up my driveway towards my front door. So I froze. Um, he proceeds to walk up to my front door and starts fiddling with my door and I can hear my doorknob jingling. So at this point, my heart's just pounding out of my chest Um, I wait for him to walk back down my driveway a little bit and then he kind of disappears into the darkness and I don't know where he goes. So I dart downstairs, let my dog up, uh, grab my phone. And by the time I get upstairs again, I see he's crouched in front of my vehicle and I can tell, I can't see very well, but I can tell he's like waving his arms and he's talking, but I can't hear what he's saying. So at this point I call 911 And, uh, I explained that somebody tried getting into my house and now he's talking to himself in my driveway. Um, and then at this point he proceeds to start climbing the tree in my driveway. (laughs) So he'd get about eight feet up and then he'd fall back down to the ground and then he'd try to hop up the tree again. He did this probably half a dozen times. So I'm relaying all this to the 911 operator and she assures me that there's a police officer on the way. Um, so he then starts leaving my driveway, but he's still walking backwards and still kind of moving his hands and talking. And I'm thinking he's just right out of it. And, uh, anyway, so he, he then crosses the street, goes to the house across the street, um, and then opens the back door and walks right in. So I'm thinking he's found a house to break into. And then I see a light go on. And the next thing I know, he starts taking all of his clothes off. (laughs) So, (laughs) I can't believe what I'm seeing. I've had a man try to break into my house. He's then talking to himself, climbing a tree. And now he's taking all his clothes off in a house across the street. Um, Yeah. So at this point, the cop is just arriving. He pulls up to my driveway and gets out with a big flashlight. Um, And at this point, I can see the, the naked man is still at the house across the street. So I feel safe enough to go outside. And as I open my front door, something falls out of it. And I look down and it's a note, but my brain is still not really processing what's happening. So I walk over to the cop with this note in my hand. And then I realize it says something about, I have to be up at six o'clock in the morning. Your dog won't stop barking. Uh, Please get it to shut up or, you know, something along those lines. Um, But it's still not making any sense with what I thought I had just seen. So I, yeah, give it to the police officer, explain that someone was trying to break into my house and all these crazy things happened in my driveway. And now I'm finding this note. Um, And as I'm saying this, the officer shining his flashlight up the tree that the man had been climbing and he goes, oh, looks like you got a bit of a raccoon problem. And so I look up and I see about five baby raccoons and mama raccoon who's on the ground. These five babies are up the tree. Um, just staring at me and mom is hissing and my neighbor's dog is at the bottom of this tree scaring all these poor babies and they won't come back down to their mom. So still, I am absolutely baffled. What the hell is happening? I have raccoons in a tree. My neighbor's dog is over here. I've had a strange man in my driveway that was trying to break into my house. So I explain all of this to the cop. I'm sure he thought I was probably nuts. Um, And then about three or four other officers all show up because I'm sure it was reported as a, you know, a crime in progress. Uh, so I go back inside, all the police officers are talking, and then I see them speaking to the uh, the naked man from across the street who had since put on some clothes. Um, 
this goes on for probably half an hour. I see them going over knocking on my neighbor's door, the one who owns the dog. Um, and then everyone leaves. So I'm kind of just left in the dark. So I'm going to pause it there. So, so far in this story, a lot has happened. Oh my God. So what, yes. what did you get out of it so far? Like, what is the scene? What did we just hear? So, so someone's, she thinks someone's trying to get into her house, rightfully so, if he's jiggling the handle. Mm -hmm. And then he's acting weird on her driveway, climbing up a tree. And she said he fell eight feet. That's a long fall. <laughs> yeah. And he tried half a dozen times. So like I, it, it kind of sounded like the story of like a someone on drugs or maybe a mental health crisis in her driveway. I would have been terrified. He goes in another house and takes off his clothes. The cops it's, show up. It sounds like something drug fueled. That's or yeah, mental health crisis. Either or. That's the vibe. Um, but so far, I'm I'm thinking like this is a creepy story. Like something crazy is happening, right? Oh yeah, and then the note. Yeah, it's yeah, like what? Uh, and her but, dog was like she says at the beginning, her dog was agitated, but she didn't say it was like he was barking and disrupting people or anything. No, so, and she didn't hear any barking. No, I think her dog was probably else. reacting to someone in the driveway. Is what I'm thinking. Or could hear the dog barking. Next, whatever, the dog next if, door. Or if whatever there was, was a dog barking. <laughs> yeah. So at the point where she left off of what we've just heard so far, the police show up, a whole bunch of them, because they don't know what the hell is going on. But now the police have talked to everybody and the police have left. She's just left there alone being like, what the hell has happened? She's going to find out what happened because the cops are going to call her. Listen to the outcome of all this. But a little while later, the officer calls me and I guess it turns out this man had heard my neighbor's dog barking at the raccoons in the tree and it was keeping him awake. So he came over to my house and he tried knocking on the door a few times, which had made my dog start growling. And then at this point, he writes a note. And when I saw him come and fiddle with the door, it was actually him trying to stick the note which was on cardboard into the crack of my door and it happened to make my doorknob you know jiggle so this is what i heard and saw he then went over to crouch in front of my vehicle where the raccoons and the neighbor's dog were and he was talking to the dog and trying to calm him down and get him to stop barking um and then when i saw him climbing the tree it turns out that he was trying to i guess rescue the baby raccoons or something I'm not quite sure. That's the reason he was climbing the tree was because of the raccoons up it. Um, and then when I saw him walking backwards down my driveway, still talking, that was him just trying to settle the dog and reassure him. Um, and then when he walked across the street and walked into the house, that was because it was his house that he had just moved into. Um, and when he started removing his clothes, that's just because he was getting ready to go back to bed. Uh, so this entire situation was a huge misunderstanding on my part. Uh, <laughs> the officer had quite a laugh about it and, uh, I didn't get any more sleep that night because my mind just kept going over <laughs> what a strange series of events had just occurred. Um, the next day in the afternoon, I had a knock on my door and it was my new neighbor, um, very apologetic when I had spoken oh. to the police officer the night before, he had explained that uh, he told him that there was many other avenues he, he could have taken besides creeping around yards at three o'clock in the morning um, because of a barking dog. 
so anyway, he came over, introduced himself, was a very nice young man, and apologized profusely for scaring the crap out of me. And uh, yeah, that's the end of the story. So I'm, I've shared it with some people and the jury's still kind of out. Like, was he a weirdo? Was this raccoon situation really weird? What was really happening here? Um, anyway, thought I would share it with you and uh, see what your opinion was on it. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs> I, oh I love the way God. that comes together. It makes so much sense, right? It does. But, but I, yeah, I, the series of events that went on, I know, it's but just like I can see it from both point of view. Like from what she sees from uh, in the way she justified it in the first part of that clip, absolutely call nine one one. Oh yeah. But, but when you think of what he was actually doing, it's like oh, that, like that kind of makes sense. Other totally. than climbing the tree, if there's raccoons in a tree, I'm not going up there. Well, and she said that mom was nearby hissing. Like mm. she doesn't know you're trying to rescue her babies. You're gonna get your face scratched off. Also, what? How are you gonna rescue a raccoon? I'm sure the raccoons are doing just fine up in that tree. What's he gonna do with it? You get I your hands on it. He's gonna get his I face no clawed idea. off. And also, if you're gonna leave what I imagine is passive aggressive notes, make sure you have the right damn house. Yeah, it wasn't even exactly. her dog. Well, like. but it wasn't her dog, but it was on her property, barking at the tree next to her driveway. Right. So I could see how he how he could make that mistake. Yeah, um, and he was new to the neighborhood, so he like didn't know who belonged to who yet. Doesn't know the dogs. <laughs> but <laughs> she, she says she's told this story to a few people and the jury's out. I, I'd say like she had a creep encounter. She did the right thing by calling the police. It was investigated and it turned out to be a big misunderstanding. And Yeah, this... I don't think the, the guy's a creep, especially because he came over and like apologized. I was like, mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. Yeah, but... I'm sure we've heard met several stories that are creep encounters where if we got to the bottom of it, be like okay he's not a creep that's just a yeah but yeah and like there were other avenues he could take sure but he was probably very tired and wanted the dog to shut up now <laughs> yeah i i can understand his point of view at least he wasn't mean to it yeah uh when all things considered from what we know of the story from her point of view he seems like a he just did some one dumb thing which yeah. is like the way he handled it, but he seems like an all right guy. He, totally. Especially when we get to the point where he's, you know, bending down behind the car was weird, but he was probably scratching the dog's head, being like, hey, boy, go home. Probably. Shut up, <laughs> Shut up please. Uh, <laughs> the, the whole like F around and find out parts of the story is um, you go over to someone's yard in the middle of the night. You're asking for them to call the cops. You climb up a tree where there's raccoons. You're asking to get your face tore up. You're approaching unfamiliar dogs. Yeah. That are like agitated. Yeah. He um he I pushed wouldn't. the he pushed a few buttons and I guess it worked out pretty good for him. He didn't get attacked by a raccoon, a dog, and he didn't get arrested. She didn't have he a gun. He only suffered and a little bit of embarrassment. I think he got out of that pretty unscathed. <laughs> I think he has a pretty good story to tell, though. Oh, yeah. So oh, he's, I'd love to hear this from his perspective. Yeah. Well, and when the cops showed up at his door. Yeah. <laughs> Are you trying to break in a house, sir? He's like, no, I'm trying I to get some I live here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's, that was a good one, though. I, that, I was a re that was a wholesome one. Well, just the way it went up and down, like, you, you know, it builds up. To, and then it came full circle. Yeah, and with a bit of a mystery, because many of these creep encounters we hear have a mystery of, with the mystery being, 
what the hell was that person thinking? What were they up to? In this case, we get a full like police investigation and they get to the bottom of it. I just wish um, everybody who shares these stories had called the police and the police figured out the story. Well, we we so rarely get an ending mm-hmm. or like a conclusion to these. So mm-hmm. yeah, this was nice. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, Usually we're left wagging our finger. In this case, yeah. we're left just like <laughs> laughing at the whole situation because man, what a spectacle. And yeah, just one thing after another. And then there were raccoons. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is Gosh. a trip. But that is the creep encounters I have for our 10th volume. I think this one... It, it some some volumes get very dark some get very sexual some are disturbing this one this um, one was lighter this is the lighter one because of the final story and the beginning story with uh the um snake charming that makes me like i i've oh. been laughing for a week and a half since i got that waiting to play it for you i just i can't believe i didn't put two and two together and i just love that term uh, are you going to share it with your girlfriends when you're out somewhere and you see a guy? You're like, we should try snake charming. Your friends will be like, well, what's that? And you'd be like, well, sit down. Let me tell you. I'll sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I'm researching go- this topic by talking about it. I'm definitely going to let my girlfriends know that's what it's called. But I'm not going to orchestrate uh, doing it. Okay. Because that's just unwanted attention on my part. It's... I don't like talking to people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, gonna, that's going to bring people to me. Yeah, you snake charm. They come over and then you're like, oh, this sucks. Sorry. <laughs> Actually, this was a social experiment. You can go now. <laughs> yeah, it's over, sir. <laughs> Leave. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, what a trip. Well, um, for listeners out there who have stories of encounters with creeps, uh, whether they're solved or unsolved creep encounter mysteries, uh, we want to hear about them. Pause this episode right now. Go to nighttimepodcast.com slash contact and send us a voice memo. But even beyond that, if you haven't had an encounter with a creep, maybe you've had an encounter with a ghost, a werewolf, Frankenstein, Count Dracula, or any other kind of monster. We want to hear about that because Madeline, Aaron, and I will be recording our Halloween episode very soon, which will include a collection of encounters with the beyond, with the paranormal, with the supernatural. And I'm getting so excited for that because they're starting to come in now and they're really good. It's going to be like a creep episode, but creepy in a totally different context. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. Uh, I think there will be some similarities, though. Oh, probably. I wish I had value add. I like I definitely believe in the paranormal, but I've never had an experience. Really? Nothing like never anything. You're so like logical and reasonable, though. I I think you wouldn't be the type maybe i've i've been called a lot of things and logical and reasonable i've never been one <laughs> how about like down to earth okay i can that's i guess that's what i meant like you're um I, yeah i don't know you you just don't seem like the type of person who would see a ghost i don't know yeah i think it has to do with your aura and i just don't i don't got it Okay. Well, you believe in auras, so then you believe in the supernatural. And Oh, absolutely. I just have never had an experience. What about uh, fortune tellers? Have you ever done that kind of thing? I've gotten my palms read before. And did it resonate with you in any way or like move you? Uh, yeah, it was very interesting. I think I still have the notes from both times. I should dig those out. Oh, that'd be cool. They, yeah. they wrote you notes or you took notes after? I always went with a friend and then we would like take notes for each other. Oh, that's a cool idea. Did you about know Mike... What? 
my grandmother used to do um she'd read tea leaves and she could read palms but she preferred tea leaves where you would like i don't know exactly how it worked but like you would drink tea and with leaves in it and then the way the leaves like would settle at the bottom of the cup she could like kind of give you your fortune based on that and, oh, weird. and, and the the palm reading my grandmother did it was all like you know different lines meant different things i don't know if that's what you had done but yeah my grandmother's like right into it or at least was back in like the 70s and stuff she's read my palm a few times cool yeah isn't that neat anything anything significant changed from like one palm reading to another not that i recall um what she like for me my grandmother is so like helpful and caring that she'd be looking at like what lines would indicate um the longevity of my life and my health and how many children and if i'd have a happy marriage you know she was looking yeah. at all that stuff and, and it was all really good so she would always look and you could see her being relieved like yes because she, she loves me my little jordy's gonna be okay so she she located a lifeline and she was happy yeah it's absolutely. not like you like were lacking that <laughs> yeah oh imagine that as she looked and then she just like turned white as a ghost we're done yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well madeline this has been a blast um another collection of creep stories in the books volume 10 is behind us i think we're going to bring this series to volume 50 before we're done before we've uncovered all those creeps oh we'll never run out of stories because people love them to listen to them and there's a lot of creeps out there providing us material yeah it's like the never-ending so, um stream like of disturbing yeah unfortunately i want to thank you for joining madeline and i for this episode of nighttime now, i'm going to start wrapping things up but before we part i'm going to give thanks First, a huge and sincere thanks to everyone who took the time to share their creep encounters with us. These stories serve as a great reminder to keep our eyes open and our wits about us. And to any other listeners who have a story to share, we're going to be doing a whole lot more episodes in this series, and we'd love to feature your story. You can share it with us at nighttimepodcast.com contact. So if you got something to share, go to the site now. The voice recorder is easy to use, and if you make any mistakes or misspeak, I'll edit before anything goes to air make sure we're all sounding our best. We can't wait to hear from you. And when wrapping it up, I want to give a big thanks to Monty Data, who contributes the music for this episode, LJ from the Dystopian Simulation Podcast, who provides the intro and outro voiceovers, and lastly, but most importantly, a massive thanks goes out to each and every one of you who listened at nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. Now on the topic of support, let me thank the newest subscribers to the premium feed. Daniel, Leslie, and Bailey, I appreciate you. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show, you can do it in a variety of ways. First of all, a premium feed subscription costs just a couple dollars a month and both funds the creation of the show while giving you access to an ad-free, two-day early release of episodes with access to a full back catalog of episodes. And if for whatever reason you don't want to go premium, you can still help the show grow by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting all your like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If anyone listening has any story ideas or wants to give feedback on the show or would like to submit a question or comment to be aired and responded to in an upcoming episode, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. We hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. 
The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte.